Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Hey, I'm Pastor Matt from Christ South. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for pouring in your energy, your support, your prayers. The work that we're doing at Christ South together as one church is so important for this city. We've gotten a chance to meet people right where they are, love them in the midst of their frustrations, their doubt, their anxieties, and we're seeing great results. We're seeing lives transformed. We're seeing people changed for the better. We're seeing continual opportunities to engage our neighbors and creating a community for the community, a place where people can come and be transformed in the gospel. Thank you so much for everything that you've done to make this possible. Long before we ever had our first worship, this congregation was praying, thinking, hoping, and preparing, and giving everything over to the Lord so that God could do God's work in the gospel. So I give thanks to God for you. I can't wait to see what's next. I was talking to somebody about this. Uh, we did kind of one of these uh, mock town hall meetings just so we can kind of get a picture of what it kind of looked like. And we did that this past week. And uh, I got a chance to speak to that group for just a couple of minutes and share with them what a joy it is to do this. I mean, this is, this is the coolest work that I've ever gotten to do with some of the most amazing people in the world that I've ever met. And I really do give thanks to God for you because this is what the church can be like, a community for the community. And we're building something special here. So thank you so much for all the energy and time and sweat and something times blood you pour out on this space to make it possible for us to gather here. Thank you so much. I want to dive right into scripture this week. We've started a new sermon series called I Am Possible. And uh, for those of you that bring your Bibles, awesome. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I see some of my young folks bringing their Bibles. They are good role models for our adults. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Actually, I kind of threw an elbow at you instead of a nudge. That's that's intense. So we're looking at Exodus chapter 3. Some of you guys have scripture on your phone, but we're going to walk through the scripture and uh, kind of take it apart as we go. We've looked at Exodus 3 a couple of times in a couple of different ways. And so so you're going to hear some things that I I just wanted to reemphasize. But man, this scripture is so rich, and it's one of my favorite stories. And it talks about how we can see the impossible become possible. Everybody ready? Say yeah. That was not very emphatic. Everybody ready to say yeah? Yeah. Where you at, Aaron? I was waiting for you, man. I was waiting for you to just come bring it. Everybody ready to say yeah? Yeah. There it is right there. Exodus 3, 1 through through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There was an angel of the Lord, excuse me, the angel, there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet was not consumed. Every time I read this scripture, I get stuck right there on a flame of fire in the bush. Now, we've heard this story a thousand times. Who feels like they've heard this story a thousand times? Say yeah. Yeah, see, I, I know we have, but every time I hear it, it always sticks out to me about how absurd that is. How absurd that there's just this fire. Now, if I'm Moses and I'm walking up with a bunch of sheep, first inclination is, do you go towards the burning bush? No, that doesn't make sense at all. And that's why it hits home for me, because there are always those things in my life 
that are burning. There's always these fires that are around me, and I'm thinking, not, not, going, not going towards that. I mean, what's going on in your life, Nate? That burning bush. In seminary, we talked a lot about what that could mean for us, and, 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 and it can mean anything like huge changes going on or, 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 or shifts in your life that you've had. Maybe it's something going on at school. Maybe it's something in your, in your marriage. Maybe it's something uh, with, your, with your kids, or, or maybe it's something with your job or your career. Those kind of things are what we would clarify as, as burning bush moments, right? Those moments where there's something on fire, some situation, some sort of thing that's out of sorts, an unusual moment in your life. And most of the time, we do one of two things. We're going to vote and see who does what. Number one, ignore it. Where am I? Ignore it, people. Raise your hand. I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep, we're just going to just, whatever it is, we're just going to keep rolling. Or how about my other ones? Now, these, these people will not raise their hand, but they'll, they'll make a sound. They, whenever they run into a burning bush moment, they kind of get like a little navel gaze and they're like, oh. <laughs> Verse three, Moses said, I must turn aside. And look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. First off, who talks like that? <laughs> and, and why would he even ever say it? I mean, like, we live in a day and age why, where, where this is like, um, this is probably when we need to turn the online uh, people off so, so this doesn't get captured forever. But I know what he's saying. And it's typically uh, probably like three-letter abbreviation, W. Fudge. What in the world is going on? Are you kidding me? There's a, there's a bush burning right here in the middle of, like, what in the world is this all about? Let me turn aside. But see, God wants his attention. God wants his attention, wants to get him to, to, to turn aside. I mean, this is a, this is a physical motion that God is, is, is calling him to do, where, where Moses is heading in a direction. He's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing this for a long time, and all of a sudden he has to turn aside and see something happen. And then I started thinking, what if that thing, that burning bush, what if that moment is just to get your attention for a minute. What if that burning bush is just to try to get your attention for a minute? See, and this is where I get all scientific, right? Like, why didn't the bush catch, you know, it's on fire, but it's not burning up, right? Like, that's a note that we have in Scripture to say there's something unusual about this particular fire, right? And, and God could have done this in a whole lot of different ways. I mean, I guess in the history of Scripture, God could have made the sheep start talking, right? That would have been weird, right? Or, or, or God could have brought out, like, a pillar of clouds, and that's coming up later, right? And, and shaking things up. Or maybe a snake would have been going through and stopped and turned into a, a person or something like that. That would have been a weird thing. So, so God chose this. I don't know why, other than it got his attention in the middle of his day, in the middle of this moment, in this movement. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, so now he knows he's got his attention. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, read it with me, here I am. This is a big moment for Moses. You gotta think, this is a guy that's been hiding for a long period of time. 
I'll let you read the rest of the story of Moses to catch up on all that. But you know, he's been up to some stuff and got into a little bit and he had to run and all of a sudden now he's hiding and he's doing a great job of that. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like that, uh, that, that moment. I can only imagine it being like startling, right? The kind of thing where you ever been somewhere and there's like a lot of commotion, a lot of people talking, and then somehow you hear your name straight through all of that commotion. You know what I'm talking about? You'll be, and it might not even be you they're talking to, right? They'll just say your name, and then all of a sudden you're like, what? I must turn aside. <laughs> this is big for us, too. Because God doesn't address him, hey, buddy, or, 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 or hey, dude. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't even, um, he, doesn't, he doesn't call him servant or, you know, hey, bro. He meets him in the most personal and intimate way that he can meet them, meet him. And he says his name. It's a big deal for us. It's a powerful moment because that's how God addresses us. Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's the intimacy that our God has. Verse 5. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God, whoops, it's all out of order. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I preached a whole sermon about this, so I won't go into the entirety of that right now. But this is one of those places in scripture where I think we often get things messed up. Because when we think about this, I always think that we're, we're trying to, be re- he's trying to be reverent, you know. This is holy ground. Don't bring your shoes. Everybody knows what a shepherd is stepping in consistently. Mud. What would you? What were you gonna say? <laughs> so he doesn't want to bring that close to the burning bush. This is the Lord's house. You wouldn't wear those kind of shoes in here if you stepped in dog doo doo out there. You would probably wash them off before you came into the church, right? It would make sense. I'm talking about some really gross stuff right now. But that's the thing. I think that we're missing the point. When we had Copeland, our, 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 our most recent child, <laughs> that's the way we talk about him now. We had the child that was like born a long time ago, and we got the most recent child that was born. And, and when, when Ashton was born, they didn't, uh, they didn't do this. But when Copeland was born, like they, the, the, like he comes out, and there's no like go over to the little thing, get all wiped down, cleaned up, and all that stuff. Y'all know they do this thing called skin time now, right? And so baby, goop and all, comes right onto mama's chest and bah, blanket on top, keep baby warm. And there's this amazing thing that's happened. And I know that there's some great science behind this. Trish, you could probably help us to tell somebody about this, but there's, there's like antibiotics and chemicals and things that are, that are given to the baby through mom's skin. And then they do the same for dad. Of course, when I was in the hospital, I was like jealous because, you know, Copeland was there on mom's chest and I'm like, but, but I'm important too, y'all. I want to I do the thing. They're like, all right, daddy's turn. I was like, <laughs> And the coolest thing happened. You could feel his heartbeat and my heartbeat start to sync up. And they said that that would happen. It was the coolest thing. I think that God wants to touch Moses because what he's about ready to call him to do is incredible. And it's going to take a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to make it happen. And he wants to be close enough to have skin time. This wasn't about reverence. This was about intimacy. Touch me. 
Moses, and let our hearts sink up. If that's speaking to you, say, come on. And the Lord said, I've observed the misery of my people who are here in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, a good and broad land, a land flowing in milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Brothers and sisters, the Lord knows what you're going through. I'm going to read it again. And I have come down to deliver them. All of those things that are going on in your life that are frustrating, that are driving you insane, as you cry out to the Lord, the Lord hears your cries and comes to deliver you and me. The Lord has come to set you free, to bring you up out of slavery, to whatever it is that keeps dragging your attention away from what God is doing in your life. Whatever has had you does not get to keep you. Tell somebody that next to you. Whatever has had you does not get to keep you. Tell somebody. Come on, tell them like you mean it. Whatever has had you does not get to keep you. Verse 10 says, so come. I will send you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I? I get it. I'd be the same way. I'd probably be saying the same thing, right? Lord, who, who am I? Right, all right, see, I, I don't have this skill and this skill and this skill necessary. Heck, if any part of what my calling was was to fill out Excel sheets, Lord, I'm out. But our calling as a church and as individuals isn't about us. And that's where we get this all messed up. But I keep noticing this I am language. It keeps repeating in the verses so far. Notice, Moses, Moses. And Moses starts by saying what? Here I am. And then God says, I am the God of your ancestors. I am going to set my people free. I am sending you. And then Moses says, but who am I? And God is about ready to show Moses somebody say amen. It's through this calling, the impossible it's through this calling that God works. Verse 12 said, God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that is I who sent you. When I have brought you, whoo, when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. See, God's already painting a picture of where he's going. Amen. And in the midst of that calling, God already knows that God will bring you to the end of it, will bring it to fruition. So the question isn't anymore, who am I, Lord? How am I going to make it through this? Who am I, Lord? I don't have the gifts and skills. Who am I, Lord? I don't have the resources. Who am I, Lord? I don't have the time. I don't have all the things that I need. The question is not, who am I? It is, who are you, God? And God says over and over and over again, I am, and I'm going to keep showing you. God is steadfast. 
then it's a good thing. Verse 13. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? <laughs> At this point, I wonder if God's getting a little irritated with Moses. <laughs> it's a lot of questions, Moses. Just listen to the burning fire bush. <laughs> but it's an important question, right? Hey, God, you know my name. You called me Moses out of the burning bush. I want to know yours. This is a pretty gutsy question. But then the unexpected happens. God answers. In verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Of course, every time I read that, I always think Popeye. Anybody else? <laughs> That's going way back, wasn't it? But it's actually the moment where God gives us God's name. And it's such a personal and intimate moment. I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And what he's saying there is not just this is who I am. What he's saying is remember what I've already done. Remember what I've already brought you up out of. You don't have to wonder over and over and over again if I'm going to get you there because I've already shown you that I will. And I'm already telling you in the midst of this calling where you're going to be at the end of it. I always bring things to fruition because I am. I have been. I am. And I will be with you. Come on, somebody. Mm. The God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. That means us, too. The same God who called Moses is calling us. Come on, church. This God is one who is close to you, will be with you, wants an intimacy with you, and it's one that you can address face-to-face, -face, by name, forever. That's what God wants from us. And you know the rest of the story, don't you? This is the most powerful man in the world that he's going to go up in front of, right? The most, empower, the most powerful. As a matter of fact, a lot of people would have said he was a God. They would have thought of him as a God. They do think of him as a God. Moses throws his staff down, you remember, and it becomes a what? Snake, it was a crazy moment. And then all the plagues came through. And all the absolute worst possible things that could happen, including the loss of his own son. And God split the waters so that the people could get out. Miracle after miracle after miracle. The story is incredible and it goes on and on. And when God is calling Moses, God is about to make the impossible become possible. And I'm going to be straight with you here, alright? I'm going to just tell you what's going on. These next few weeks, we're going to talk about giving. The next three weeks. So if you decided you weren't going to show up to church because you didn't want to talk about that stuff, you already know what's coming. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how God makes the impossible possible. We're going to be called to increase our giving. Giving is, is who we are and it's time, gifts in us, and it's what we've been given, our resources and our money. Now, I got to be honest with you. <clears throat> I grew up like just hating talking about finances in particular in the church. 
I always just hated it. And I think the first reason, because it was all about, um, like when I was growing up, and you, if you didn't go to church on Sunday morning, it's like every channel had some kind of televangelist on it. Do you remember that time? There was like a Robert Schuler guy, and then what's the guy that sweated a bunch and then said, I lied, I try to, Swagger, Jimmy Swagger, right? And then you had, um, you had the one guy that he would smack people on the forehead and they would be healed, Benny Hinn. Do you remember this? Anybody remember this stuff? Like some of it was on like the, uh, the, 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 the stations that were really high up, in, you know what I'm talking about? The ones that always had my cartoons, and then I'm like, why is the church thing on, you know? I just want to hear about Superman. Instead, I got this dude. It was all about televangelists. It grossed me out. They hurt people. A lot of times they just took advantage of people, making them do things that they didn't know that they didn't want to do. Or number two reason that I couldn't stand talking about finances, because it was boring. I mean, it was. We had this one monotone guy. I think I've told you all this, right? He had this one monotone guy. He got up. I kid you not. And he was like been tasked being at the church with doing what's called a temple talk. Anybody ever been around one of these before? Usually it's done by somebody that's pretty dynamic, except in this case it was somebody that was not very dynamic. And he got up there, and it was, this, was, this was how it went. He had a piece of paper, and he went like this. Is this on? The Lord. The Lord. Actually, it was this. Well, you're called and giving you a raise. You have some sin. And you are not. So you're not given. Well, the Lord is not coming to you. For real? That's how we're going to talk about treasure? That's how we're going to talk about the Lord's work? Or we had this other lady, and she, was, she had a puppet, and the puppet was a monkey. And the monkey <laughs> had a little stick, and it was attached to the hand. So the stick was here, and she held on to the stick, you know, and, and the monkey was always doing this. And it always weirded him out that, that the monkey had no elbow, and his, his arm was like a little snake out here, and he was doing this kind of thing. And she would, she would ask him questions about, <laughs> I still can't even talk, it's so ridiculous. I'm, I'm sure this is a good-hearted person, okay? We're not talking about the person, we're talking about the activity, okay? Can we separate the two? And, and here's, the, here's the thing, right? And she would be like, I don't remember what his name was, like, Roger, do you think that we should be willing to give more of our time, talents, and treasure to the church? And he would, yes, of course, everybody should be doing it was stupid. <laughs> but I learned some things over the years. And this is the time where you probably need to not record this part either because I'm going to tell you something for real. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. Think about what we know about who God is. God doesn't need your money. God could make bones come back to life. Not even bones, but dry bones. God can heal the sick in an instant. God can rescue God's people from a great power, feed 15,000, make the lame walk, bring sin and brokenness to a cross, free us all from something more powerful than any person. God doesn't need your money. God wants your attention. I was talking to somebody this morning about uh, my, by my phone, right? And uh, my phone is, uh, I don't know, it's like, a, what is a Note 8? Something like that. Hey, oh, and I, I could get a sponsorship by talking about this a lot probably, right? That would require more than 10 people to be listening online. Um, but how much time do I spend staring at this thing? 
right? I spend, I don't know how much money that I spend on this thing, and, 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 and I, it gets my attention. Other places that I spend my money, guess what they get? Say it. My attention. All these things get my attention because it's true. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's messed up, but it's real. That we constantly do this. See, God doesn't need your money. God wants your attention. God wants your intimacy. God wants your time, your love, your devotion, your gifts. And not just 10%, but all of you. Every single bit of who you are. That's why we give, because we were first had it given to us. So we return that to the Lord. We give it back to God. I ask all of you to consider these next three weeks checking yourself. It's a hard thing to do. But when we give, give generously. Not because you feel guilty, not because it's boring, but because you know the story of what God is doing. Give of your time and your energy. Show up here and volunteer. I guarantee you French has got a list of a hundred things that you can do for any stage of what you are, like in your physical abilities. We will put you to work. Give you a place to pitch in. Invite people. Give of your time to others. You have this great gift. You get to hear the gospel every single week. And there are people that are sitting in their homes right now wishing they knew where this church was. I got a haircut from this lady that, uh, she's awesome, she's doing a great, well, I mean, you know, she's doing a great job on my haircut. <laughs> Nobody said anything. You're not my friends. And she said, I have people all the time that will start talking about church when they come in to get a haircut. And they're always asking me where, where I know, like, places to go to church. I don't know what it is about the intimacy that God has given us to share with other people. But those people that we meet in our lives, it's not for our entertainment. The people that God has put in your circles, God put there so that you can pour back into them love and devotion and share with them the most wonderful gift that there is, that Jesus loves them. God wants you to stop seeing scarcity and start sharing your abundance. God wants to make your impossible possible. I can't do it, Lord. I don't have enough. I'm going to make your impossible possible. Can't do it, Lord. I don't have the resources. I'm not going to be able to make it work. It's not, it's not going to happen. I'm going to make the impossible possible. I'm going to share with you something that you get to share with others. So the challenge is set. Let's start looking for the impossible and see how God can make it possible. Amen? Pray with me if you would. Good and gracious God. You are great and you are good and you are forever steadfast in your love for us. You are forever steadfast in your abundance. Lord, help us to stop seeing scarcity and start sharing our abundance with all of those around us. It's not about money, but it is. It's about being challenged in that, Lord. And we can talk about it because you talk about it. But it's also, Lord, about who we are. It's about our resources. 
It's about our time. It's about our relationships. It's about creation. It's about our families. It's about being good stewards of our job and working hard, not to glorify some boss that's going to get credit for it, Lord, but to glorify you. Living our best life to the best of our abilities to glorify you. There's nothing boring about what you're doing, Lord. There's nothing silly about what you're doing, Lord. Take hold of this people, this church. And Lord, therefore, we promise we'll give the best of what we got. We'll pour into this community for years and years and years. We will seek out your people who are lost that they might be found. We'll go forward beyond our walls, trusting you, knowing that you are doing something amazing. Lord, that you are doing something that we might think is impossible. It's impossible, but not for you. Great are you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's children say, Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.